Welcome to the Choose Life Radio Network. Your host is Jill Taylor. Every week we bring you a candid conversation with someone who's making a difference for the cause of life. And now here's Jill to introduce today's guest on Choose Life Radio. Welcome to Choose Life Radio. I'm Jill Taylor and our guest today is Bruce Houseconnect. Did I say that right, Bruce? Perfect. You said it perfectly. <laughs> Good. It's spelled in a unique way, so I'm going to just spell it for you in case you want to check him out later on the web, and that's H-A-U-S-K-N-E-C-H-T. Bruce, you're with Focus on the Family. Is that correct? That's correct. Tell us a little bit about what you do. That's a wonderful organization. Well, yeah, you know, uh, Focus on the Family is a family-oriented ministry primarily, and we're, we aim to spread the gospel through talking to families and through our radio broadcast. I wear a couple of hats at Focus on the Family. One is I'm the lead issues analyst in our public policy group, and I, I specialize in uh, legal matters because I'm, uh, I'm a lawyer, uh-huh. and I look at legislative issues as well as religious freedom issues, constitutional issues, that, that sort of thing. And I'm also a writer with our news website called The Daily Citizen. I do stories on a daily basis regarding those types of public policy issues. How can people contact um, Focus on the Family and pick up those things? Is it just simply on their website, easy to find? Yes. Yeah. If you go to focusonthefamily.com, or if you want to find The Daily Citizen, you can just type in as a search, thedailycitizen.org, and that will take you right to our news website. And you can navigate back to other sites on Focus from there. Okay, thank you. That's great. Today I want to talk a little bit about Roe v. Wade, the Supreme Court's dealing with an issue from the state of Louisiana right now. You can tell us a little bit about that. As an attorney, you'll probably speak very differently than I would about it, so I'm very anxious to hear what you can share with us on that. I'd be happy to. There is a case at the Supreme Court right now that came from a bill in the legislature at uh, in the Louisiana passed back in 2014, and it required abortionists to have admitting privileges at local hospitals. Why do they do that? It has two purposes. One, it provides for a continuity of care should a woman seeking an abortion have complications either during the procedure or after if she ends up in an emergency room or in a surgery, heaven forbid, at a local hospital, she has the abortionist there to consult with the MDs that are on the staff at the hospital, and that provides an extra layer of care for the woman and so that no mistakes are made or no misunderstandings about her her previous procedure. The second benefit that that requires, and this was kind of teased out during an investigation by the state legislature into the abortion industry, But many of these people proclaiming to be abortion doctors are not credentialed as such. For instance, there was a radiologist who was hired by an abortion clinic to perform abortions in Louisiana. Another one was an ophthalmologist, an eye doctor, for goodness sake, was hired to perform abortions. And the abortion clinics don't care. They don't investigate the credentials. They don't care. And so that puts women at risk. Because people are doing invasive procedures that, with the slightest slip of the the knife, can put her in a a surgery suite at the local hospital. Mm -hmm. 
So they found all this stuff, and they passed the law requiring abortionists to have admitting privileges. And if an abortionist can meet those requirements that a local hospital would require to allow him to have admitting privileges, that's sort of an assurance or a minor guarantee, at least, that women can lean on to say, at least somebody's checked this guy's credentials out. If he's qualified enough to get admitting privileges, then I have less to fear from this guy. That was passed and immediately challenged in court, and it's been in the courts for years. Finally made it to the Supreme Court and was scheduled for oral argument in front of the court on April 1. However, as we know, because of the coronavirus crisis, that case will get heard at a later date. Mm -hmm. But this is a a very important case for pro-lifers everywhere, for states who want to regulate abortion clinics so that they can protect women and save lives of preborn babies, and in general, uh, hold the abortion industry accountable for the way they mistreat women and and in those clinics. So that's the case in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. And it can go deeper even than that, but I'll I'll stop at that for the moment. The the purpose of this radio program in my heart is that we want believers, Christians, to really understand what abortion is. And I don't think pastors in Protestant churches have a very easy way of preaching about this. They're concerned for their constituents in the church. They're afraid that maybe someone will be offended or hurt. And so we are very, very hopeful that what we can do is kind of peel off those outer layers of people maybe thinking this is a great organization or they're doing wonderful things and they're giving breast exams, etc. And we're going to the real core of what Planned Parenthood and other abortion clinics are really all about. What you talked about, I think, is a really important thing to know for our listeners, that, that if a woman is in a clinic that does not have those provisions for the the person who's operating on her there and it is in in essence it's it's <laughs> reaching inside and removing a person from you there are risks for that and so if you are in that situation and you start to hemorrhage they're going to call an ambulance they're going to ask that the ambulance come with no sirens and no lights and that they pick you up and that they take you to the hospital And so you're explaining that there needs to be the ability that that doctor that had the surgery just then or or did the abortion just then is going to come and explain what happened, what was the process, and that the doctor that's in the hospital is working with him or her. So this is not a very pretty picture of abortion, is it? No, absolutely not. But It's an industry that claims to want to protect women, and yet when state legislatures attempt to protect women in their own fashion, the abortion industry always defaults back to, no, anything you try to legislate is an undue burden upon a woman's right to have an abortion, including keeping our facilities clean and its doctors credentialed and and all that. It's a devious way to save money and make more money through abortions. It's an outrage. And the fact that the abortion industry can go into court and file a lawsuit on behalf of the very women that they are mistreating is an outrage in itself and is one of the issues that the Supreme Court will look at. 
whether those abortion clinics can actually file a lawsuit to supposedly protect the women they're mistreating. Yeah, so that, I, that just I, I don't understand happen. that. How does that happen? I don't. I don't get that. Can you explain that yeah. a little more thoroughly? How yes, do... there's a there's a there's a uh, I guess you would call it a, a legal doctrine. It goes back a long time that kind of allows third parties to litigate on behalf of their members or interested parties that have a connection. Think of the perhaps uh, civil rights organizations back in the '60s, the NAACP or whatever. Mm-hmm. They would bring lawsuits to vindicate civil rights of its members, but because they didn't want any person's name to be exposed and perhaps subject to retaliation by people who learn those names, they would go into court on behalf of their members and litigate those claims. And the courts decided to allow that. However, you can see how easily that gets messed up when the organization and the members or the people it serves, in this case, women seeking abortions, when their interests are at odds, that whole third-party uh, ability to, to litigate, it just unravels. It, it doesn't serve the original purpose it was intended to serve. Hopefully, the Supreme Court, when it eventually hears this case, will draw a line in the sand and say, you know, that doesn't apply here. And if that happens, we'll be so blessed. It'll keep so many abortion clinics from running to the courthouse to protect themselves because they're certainly not protecting the women that they claim to represent. And this case is going to affect, you're saying it's in Louisiana, but it's going to affect the entire United States. Is that correct? It's true. It's true. And this particular issue of admitting privileges is, it can be unique to an individual state because Texas had a similar statute and other states have tried this as well. But Texas had one that was challenged. And in 2016, a Supreme Court that's different than the one we have now with regard to a couple new members, mm-hmm. that case said in Texas that law is unconstitutional because it would reduce so many abortion clinics that, that women would have to drive for long distances across the dusty plains of Texas to yeah. to get their abortion. But Louisiana is a different case, smaller state, and it certainly has investigated what's wrong with the abortion industry, and it's litigated and it has good reasons for doing what it's doing. So this case is both similar to but different than Texas. But if we can get the Supreme Court to side with Louisiana, that's going to encourage other states who right now are afraid and kind of locked down Mm. from attempting any new laws that would protect women and babies. Well, that is very interesting, and I I do hope, as our listeners have been trying to grasp the legal end of it as well as the ethical issue that's there, I just want them to think about that woman on an abortion table waiting for that to happen. It's very, very scary. I know so many women who have had abortions and came out of that destroyed in so many ways, emotionally, obviously missing that child because you bond with them in, in the years, I mean, the months of pregnancy. And so we we really want to protect women, and we want to protect the gift of life. That's what you're talking about, Bruce. <laughs> That's exactly right. And we partner with like 40 different state organizations. We call them family policy councils who are on the ground in the various states, which uh, know exactly what's going on in the legislature, and they they organize groups to do uh, write-in campaigns or visit their 
representatives. The boots on the ground in the local states mean everything to getting more pro-life laws passed. So mm-hmm. as folks on the family, we can't do it all, but we can point people to resources and the people who can help. Well, we're going to take a really quick break and come right back with Bruce House Connect and listen more into some of the things that his uh, attorney mind can tell us about what's going on with our laws on abortion. So stay right with us. We're here at Choose Life Radio. Thanks for joining us today for the conversation here on Choose Life Radio. We are a listener-supported ministry. Your tax-deductible gift today helps educate hearts and minds on God's wondrous provision of life. If you'd like to send a generous gift and help us continue broadcasting on this station, you can visit our website, chooseliferadio.com. Click on the Donate button and follow the directions. You can give online, or if you're more comfortable, simply mail us a check. Our P.O. box is listed on the website. Choose Life Radio focuses on the sanctity of human life from conception. And your kind and generous gift today, well, it makes this broadcast a reality. When you make your gift, please indicate the call letters of this station. And while you're visiting ChooseLifeRadio.com, we'd love to hear from you in other ways. You can email Jill directly or connect through social media. And remember, all of our past broadcasts are available to you as podcasts in our archive section. So visit today, ChooseLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Choose Life Radio. This is Jill Taylor here, your host, and I am so excited to have Bruce House Connect. I keep looking at that incredible last name, and I I smile because it's really two words put together, but it's not spelled that way. So, Bruce, you are a gift to have today because you have an attorney's gift of knowing how to speak about things. You also are able to stay up on top of the horrible things that sometimes they try in court to get away with when they're trying to defend the abortion industry. Thank you for what you're doing. We really appreciate that. Oh, you're very welcome. My pleasure. Also, uh, thanks out to Focus on the Family. They do a great job of sharing good information, and that's what we're trying to do now as Bruce works with them. I want to talk a little bit about those of you who are thinking, I, I just don't know anything about abortion like this. I've never really heard about such uh, atrocities that could happen to someone where they have to be changed from one room, uh, one clinic, and try to get into a hospital in time, and and they're bleeding, and it's critical time. So we want to talk about what can we do. And not everybody feels called to uh, stand in front of an abortion clinic with a poster and uh, on a stick and, and just say, please pray for these people. They're making big decisions and they're making big mistakes or, or God is going to be angry with you or any of the number of signs that we have seen over and above. So I want to talk about options that Bruce might have of how we could be involved with our vote and with our ability to get politically involved on this. Oh, there's so many. There's so many things to do from political to, you know, your wallet to putting your feet into action and going to down to the state capitol to talk to your legislators or just simply calling their office. It starts with each one of us have a, a duty to learn. Stay abreast of the news, especially on the pro-life issues that we cared so deeply about. And once we're informed, when uh, we see something like abortion clinics in Ohio defying the governor's closure orders Mm -hmm. for all elective surgeries, 
you know, maybe you don't want to get out there on, in front of the abortion clinics and carry a sign, but you can write a letter to the editor of the local newspaper and ask the question, why is everybody else sacrificing for the sake of defeating the coronavirus, but all of the abortion clinics in our state are defying that, and they're using up all of the gowns and the masks and the surgical instruments that could be going toward the fight against the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. That's just one one thing you can do without ever leaving leaving home. You can call your local or your statewide family policy council, which is just exactly what you would want from someone who knows the issues, can organize around the issues, and then mobilize citizens in your state to write or call their legislature or do something else. But it's all coordinated, and we are more effective with a lot of us doing something than if just one or two of us are doing something. So, so many things to do. Writing letters to your congressman. They deal with abortion and abortion funding. They're fighting the good fight, but they need help from the, the folks back home that are sending in those letters saying, look, you've got to defund Planned Parenthood. We're tired of paying them and having them make hundreds of millions of dollars every year. So things like that just cross my mind, even as you ask the question. Mm-hmm. Those are great responses. And I think, too, know who you're voting for. Really research whether this is a person who quietly supports abortion and quietly says they can do no wrong or they are adamant about it. We really do need to find ways to elect people who care about life. I honestly think that's the first thing that's important. If we don't have life, we really don't need laws. So as long as we're ending the lives of children, we are really defeating our own country in its population and its talent. And every gift that God has placed in every child that we have aborted is lost here in this world, not in eternity, but in this world. I wonder if you could share a little bit about what Focus on the Family is doing to encourage others to get involved in these things. Sure. I'd like to go back to last year. Remember when we were all outraged by New York passing um, an abortion bill, basically allowing abortion up to the moment of birth? Yes. In response to that, Focus on the Family organized what we called Alive from New York, And we went to Times Square. We partnered with March for Life, had a rally in the middle of Times Square. And as the high point of that rally, which was live streamed around the country, we showed a 4D ultrasound of a baby on the screen. And it was amazing as the entire crowd in Times Square just became totally silent, including the protesters who were there to protest us. If we can show them the baby in the womb, that's all you really need to do to convince people that abortion is morally wrong. We decided to do that again this year from several cities, and we're calling it Alive 2020. Because of the coronavirus, we've had to temporarily suspend that, and we're going to do it later in August or September. Mm-hmm. And we will live stream that as well. And each state will have a rally. There'll be some speakers. You'll be able to see them on the computer if you want and follow the whole program. If you can't attend in person, you can follow it on the live streaming on the computer. And we have for years and years and years focused on and got the word out about the importance of life and on saving babies and pushing back on the abortion industry 
electing the right people who will select the right judges who will interpret the laws as uh, they were written or as the Constitution was understood when it was written, rather than creating new laws to support this or that and call it forward thinking. You know, mm-hmm, that's, mm-hmm. that's just not right. And Focus has been in one of those organizations at the forefront for over 40 years. Right. And, you know, Focus on the Family was the first one to come forward to try to provide ultrasounds to pregnancy centers. I'm sure you're aware of that. I'm not sure that our listeners are. A wonderful organization that that made it possible for small centers to be able to buy in to have a an ultrasound in their offices. And you know what? It It, it makes all the difference in the world. When you have a, a young girl who's undecided, and she has a chance to see that child, it is absolutely a a turning point of, oh, my goodness, I had no idea it was that far along. And the abortion clinic doesn't want them to know it's that far along. They want to talk Mm -hmm. about it as if it's just a thing. It's not anything yet, you know, and we know that's not true. We know that that is a life and a gift, and only God can give that. That's right. Yeah, and you're talking about option ultrasound. Yes. Which is a ministry of Focus on the Family, and we've been at it now over 10 years. And we've uh, we've calculated very carefully, and we have several hundred thousand decisions for life based on women seeing that baby in the womb on an ultrasound in, in a pregnancy uh, care center somewhere in you know local to them through grants and, and other ways that we can get those ultrasounds into the hands of the local folks that are ministering to the women at their most vulnerable moment. I talked with a nurse not too long ago who had been training others in Indiana on how to do ultrasounds so that you could share Christ. And she said, I never wanted to start out with, I want you to see what God's given you. (laughs) She said, I would always start the ultrasound and get to where I saw something very clear that I could share. And then I would say, do you want to see what I'm seeing? And I thought, that is a perfect question to start with, because any medical procedure that we go through, we would love it if the doctor would show us what they're seeing on the screen. You know, are you, are my bones getting weaker or you know, whatever you need yeah. to tell me, I'd like to see it on the screen. And so by opening with that question, so many of them said, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. It's, it's, it's a baby, you know, and it gives you the chance to talk about, yeah, that's an amazing creation, isn't it? Only God can put that together. It's a testimonial to God's word speaking through life. Right. It, there's no more powerful argument for life than actually showing them the baby. And that was, that was the premise behind our New York event. And we want to keep that up. We want to keep doing that. You can't deny that that's a baby when you can see it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I love that idea, and I love that you're you're going to spread that out and do it in other big cities. I, I just think that's a real celebration. You guys are doing so much that uh, God just must be smiling over, and I'm thankful for Focus on the Family and for you, Bruce. You're really an amazingly intelligent person. I I would never go to bat against an attorney. You know that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I doesn't share, it doesn't share your uh, 
point of view, however. Can she argue you down? That's a, that's a hard to believe. <laughs> she just gives me a look, and I just quiet down. <laughs> well, we have enjoyed thoroughly having you, and we just ask our guests who have been with us here today that you'll take a peek at our website, chooseliferadio.com. Take a look at the uh, podcasts that we have. You'll be able to hear this interview with Bruce and, and get all that good information. If you've got someone that you want to be sure hears this, you can pick it up again at chooseliferadio.com. And I'm sure that uh, if we give the information to focus on the family, they may make it available too. Bruce, it has been a delight to have you with us. Thank you so much for giving us your time today and your perspective on life. Jill, I really enjoyed being with you. I I, uh, had a great time and uh, glad to do my part to inform and motivate people. You know, I'd love to be connected to you. I know you're listening, but yet, but I haven't heard your voice. And so if you can go to chooseliferadio.com and leave me a message. Let me know what you're thinking. Let me know if you've experienced something that you feel you heard healing on, you received some healing on. We want you to be a part of what we're doing. So we only can do that if you tell us what you're thinking and how you're feeling. So chooseliferadio.com also gives you the opportunity besides making a comment or contacting me, it gives you a chance to support this ministry. We are a ministry. We are a 501c3, and we'd love to have your support. It keeps us on the air, and that's what we like. You know, you can also send something to us via mail if you like to do it that way. We are Choose Life Radio, Post Office Box 36622, Canton, Ohio, 44735. And so... Invest in Choose Life Radio if you get the chance. Thank you so much. It's been great to be with you today. We'll be back here next week on Choose Life Radio. The preceding program was sponsored by the Choose Life Radio Network of Canton, Ohio.